0: He, <laughs> Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim.
1: And I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out.
0: This week's episode is a listener suggestion. Kira writes us. Hello, I was listening to some suspense episodes when I found this one, To Find Help. I had two versions, and I liked the one with Gene Kelly and Ethel Barrymore best, but Frank Sinatra and Agnes Moorhead were on the original. As I don't know anyone who listens to OTR, I would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Have a great rest of your day, Kira. So that's
2: what we're going to do. Suspenses to find help. And we are going with the version starring Gene Kelly, Ethel Barrymore, and William Conrad, which aired on January 6th, 1949. Barrymore is regarded as the first lady of American theater. The original was performed by Frank Sinatra and suspense regular Agnes Moorhead, which aired on January 18th,
1: 1945. Sinatra starred with Kelly in the movie Anchors Away the very same year, 1945. Lux Radio Theatre broadcast a 60-minute radio adaptation of the movie on December 29, 1947, with Frank Sinatra, Jean Kelly, and Katherine Grayson reprising their film roles. To find help was adapted from Mel Dinelli's stage play, The Man. The play was also adapted into the film Beware My Lovely in 1952, starring Ida Lupino and Robert Ryan. So here you go, Kira, to find help from suspense. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything
2: but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: Suspense. Tonight, Autolite co-stars Miss Ethel Barrymore and Mr. Gene Kelly in to find help. The Suspense Play, produced and directed by Anton M.
4: Leder. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations. Friends, when you buy an Autolite stay full battery, you're not getting just another ordinary battery. No, sir, you're getting a battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Yes, Autolite Stay-Full batteries need water only three times a year in normal car use. Why, a camel could drink its weight in water and a cactus could die of thirst before those tough, temperate, teetotaling Autolite Stay-Full batteries would ask for an extra drop of H2O. So, friends, switch to an Autolite Stay-Full battery tomorrow. Remember, you're right with Autolite. Always right with Autolite. Now, Autolite presents Gene Kelly and Ethel Barrymore in a tale well calculated to keep you in... suspense.
5: My rumor, Mr. Armstrong tried to warn me that morning he left on his business trip. I remember we were just finishing breakfast, and he was rather in a hurry.
6: (sighs) I don't care what you say, Mrs. Gortz. I just plain don't like it. You're alone here in the house all day, there are no close neighbors, and after all, you know nothing about the man.
5: Good gracious, Mr. Armstrong, you think I was a pretty young thing of 20 to hear you tell it.
6: And another thing, it seems very strange to me that a young man should be job hunting from door to door this day and age. Why, there are plenty of jobs to be had.
5: That's just why it's so difficult to find help these days. You're a worrywart, Mr. Armstrong. Now that I've found someone to do my heavy work, I'm not going to let your silly notions change my mind.
6: Well, all the same, though, I'm not leaving the house this morning till I get a look at the guy.
5: I remember I kept worrying about poor Mr. Armstrong missing his train, because it was getting to be nine o'clock. He dried the breakfast dishes for me. As he talked, he kept looking out of the window toward the long driveway.
3: Hey,
6: here he comes.
5: What?
6: <laughs> I guess
3: I needn't have worried. <laughs>
5: Mr. Armstrong was smiling. he would seen my young man who was coming up the driveway. And I smiled, too. Even I had forgotten what a meek, harmless-looking lad he was. Why, he would hardly be called a man at all, I thought.
6: <laughs> so that's the critter who's been causing me all this mental anguish.
5: There, you see, you and your silly ideas.
6: <laughs> well, the little guy's not strong enough to keep a regular job, I
5: suppose. <laughs> Why, I believe Sarah is getting some of your foolish notions, Mr. Armstrong.
6: There now, Sarah. Sarah, I'm sorry that we made you nervous about it. Why, if you could see the guy.
5: He'll hear you. Good morning, lad. I've been expecting you. This is my rumor, Mr. Armstrong. I don't believe you told me your name.
7: I'm Howard Wilton, ma'am.
5: Hello,
6: Howard. How are you? I'm glad you've come. I know you'll be a great help to Mrs. Gillis here, and uh, you'll be company, too. Well, I'm off, Mrs. Gillis. Take care of yourself. I uh, don't think you'll have much
7: trouble. I don't think your dog likes me, Mrs. Gillis.
5: Of course she does, just getting a little old and peevish. Oh. Come along now, Howard. I'll show you where to hang your coat.
7: Oh, yes. I always like to hang my coat up.
5: He followed me in the closet storeroom at the back of the house. And I handed him a clothes hanger and a rough, heavy apron, which I kept for cleaning help.
7: Is this apron clean, Mrs. Gillis?
5: Why, of course it's clean. No one's worn it since it was laundered last.
7: There are spots on it. See?
5: Spots? Here,
7: let me look. Why, that's paint. No dirt and dry paint, son. If you don't mind, I'd rather not wear it. What will you wear, then? You didn't
5: bring other clothes. I'm a neat
7: worker, Mrs. Gillis. You needn't worry about my clothes.
5: I turned, and the light hitting his face from the small window made him look so different. I was startled for a moment, and then I thought, you're a silly old woman,
7: Mrs. Gillis.
5: And then I smiled.
7: Are you laughing at me, Mrs. Gillis?
5: Why, no, son. I was laughing at myself. Come along. Let's get started now. He'd only been at the den floor a short time when I heard him walk back to the closet
7: storeroom. Can
5: I help you, son? I'm
7: going after my coat, Mrs. Gillis. I don't like it being out there in the storeroom. It's a breeding place for moths, you know.
5: Now, son, it takes longer than that for moths to do any damage.
7: Mrs. Gillis, perhaps you won't think it's quite so amusing when I tell you that it's my best and only coat. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, lad. Where would you
5: like to put it? In the kitchen, perhaps?
7: No, the cooking films wouldn't be good for it. I'll take it right in the den with me. That is, if you don't mind.
5: Go right ahead, Howard. If you don't mind. Suddenly, I was thankful that there was a phone. He was such a peculiar boy. I wasn't really alarmed. Not then, I wasn't. Still, it was good to know the phone was there and that old Sarah was still in the kitchen, asleep. I went on about my own work that morning, but several times I went into the den to have a look at him. He wasn't doing much. I could see that. He seemed to keep polishing one small square in the corner of the room. Is there anything you need,
7: Howard? Howard? I won't be spied upon, Mrs. Gillis. I won't put up with that.
5: See, here, lad, I think we must
7: have gotten off on the wrong foot. I'm not spying on you. Now, why do you keep popping in like that? Would you like me to go faster? Would you like me to spill out my life's blood for you here on the floor? Is that what you're after? Howard, are you well?
5: Are you well enough to work?
7: Of course I'm well. All only you quit bothering and pestering and questioning me. Is it too much to ask?
5: Howard, son... I'm interested in young men. I had two boys of my own. They were in the service. See, that's Bill on the desk there. He was a Marine. And on the table there, that's Dennis. He was in the infantry.
7: So, that's why you hate I see it all now. I hate you? Why, whatever you... Game... Yes, you hate me. I could tell it the moment I walked into your house this morning. But how... Howard... You hate me because I'm young and I wasn't in the service like your boy.
5: Why, it never occurred to me. You must know I was grateful
7: when you came looking for work for. You resented me. The only reason you have me here is to work my life's blood away, to punish me for not being in the service, just because your sons were in the service and I wasn't. Son, you're ill. Let's put the work away now.
5: I'll make you a cup of tea.
7: Oh, you don't want me to do the job. Is that it? You're like the army. There was a job to be done, and they wouldn't let me in. Now, you'd like me to stop in the middle of this.
5: I only want you to do whatever will make you feel better. Leave
7: me alone, then. Very well. Mrs. Gillis? Yes? I'll tell you why I wasn't in the army. If you insist.
5: I don't insist at all, Howard.
7: If you must know, I'll tell you. They said there was something wrong with my mind.
3: For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. Gene Kelly, co-starring with Miss Ethel Barrymore. In radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
4: Very embarrassing experience at New Year's Day dinner. Well, what in the world happened, Hollow? Well, the whole family was there, you see, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, outlaws. Uh, I mean, huh? in laws. <laughs> and during a lull in the conversation, I thought I'd tell them all about that wonderful abstemious Autolite Stay Full battery. Oh, my. So naturally, I told them about that extra large liquid reserve of Autolite Stay Full batteries. Even the Great Lakes, said I, are no great shakes compared to the reservoir in those Autolite Stay-Full batteries. Why, those batteries need water only three times a year in normal car use. I'm beginning to understand. And then, of course, I told them that Autolite Stay-Full batteries give longer life than batteries without the Stay-Full features. And then I explained... Well, wait a minute, Hona. Did you say all this at your big family dinner? Yes, and here's the funny thing, Hap. Just as I was telling them how every smart car owner was switching to Autolite Stay-Full batteries... Two of my biggest cousins got up, came around to my chair, and carried me, chair and all, into the pantry. And by Cornelius, the pantry was where I finished my New Year's dinner. <laughs> Can you imagine my own relatives doing a thing like that to Well, that certainly was a dirty trick, Arnold, but quiet. Here's suspense again.
3: And now, Autolite brings back to a Hollywood soundstage Miss Ethel Barrymore and Mr. Gene Kelly in to find help. A tale well calculated to keep you in. Suspend.
7: I just thought maybe you'd like to know, Mrs. Gillis. They said there was something wrong with my mind.
5: The first thing that I thought of when I reached the hallway was the phone... But it was in the den with Howard. I ran quickly to the back door. But it was locked, and the key wasn't in its usual place. The front door was locked too. Then I heard a crash. It came from the den. I rushed in to find Howard peacefully polishing away at the same spot. He hadn't moved an inch. He didn't look up at me. Then I saw the phone which had fallen to the floor beside him. But it hadn't just fallen. The wires have been torn out of the wall.
7: The phone, Mrs. Gillis, it fell. But the wire... I suppose you think I ruined your phone. The wire... That happened when it fell to the floor. It could have... It happened when it fell to the floor. uh... I don't suppose you'll be able to use it anymore. Not for a while, anyway. No... I don't suppose I will.
5: Sarah! Here! Sarah! Sarah!
7: Mrs. Gillis. Yes? Are you looking for your dog?
5: Yes, yes. I haven't seen her all morning. She was in the kitchen.
7: Well, she's not there any longer.
5: I know. Where is she, Howard?
7: Where is she? Yes. Where is she? She's gone. Gone? Gone? If you've harmed her... She didn't like me, you know. See here,
5: I've put up with enough. You tell me where my dog is or... Or
7: what, Miss Gillis? You'll do what, Mrs. Gillis? What will you do? Sarah! She's gone, Mrs. Gillis. I told you that. You've harmed my dog. Have I?
5: You killed a poor old Sarah who never hurt a thing. She would have
7: hurt me. You're bad, Howard. You're wicked. You're a coward. I'm not a coward, Mrs. Gillis. Cowards are afraid to kill. Only a coward would kill a poor old dog. If I were a coward, I'd, I'd be afraid of you. And I'm not afraid of
5: you. You let me
7: out of here. I have strong hands, Mrs. Gillis. My fingers are like steel. I've never harmed you. No. And Sarah didn't either, but she would have if I hadn't harmed her first. Let me out of here! You're getting very noisy, Mrs. Killers. Perhaps if I locked you in here, you'd calm down a bit. Oh,
5: and then I heard the key turn in the lock. For a moment, I had the feeling of unreality. Was this really happening? I found out soon enough that it wasn't a dream, for the dim light from the little square window picked up a limp, lifeless object in the corner among the dusty mops. I knew without looking further what it was. Poor Sarah. Sarah, who'd never harmed a soul. I don't know how long he kept me there. I could hear him moving about the house, but he finally came... He spoke to me through the door.
7: Have you calmed
5: down, Mrs. Gillis? Yes, Howard. Let me out. Why? Because it's warm in here. Because I want to get out.
7: You were looking for your dog, weren't you? Never mind about that, Howard. Let me out. Mrs. Gillis, if I kept you in there, you wouldn't be able to spy on me ever again. I won't spy on you, Howard. Let me out. You know what I've been doing, Mrs. Gillis? No. I've been doing your den floor just like you asked me to. That's fine, Howard. It was fine, being able to work peacefully. Knowing that you were someplace where you couldn't bother me.
5: I won't bother you, Howard.
7: It was very peaceful. Nobody to bother me.
5: Let me out, Howard.
7: Will you promise to do as I tell you?
5: I promise. Anything? Anything.
7: Very well, then. Now, no tricks. No. Feel my hands, Mrs. Gillis. Are they nice hands? Yes, they're nice hands. You haven't felt them. (sighs) Did your sons have as nice hands as these? No. No. They didn't. But they didn't have any trouble getting jobs, did they? I'm just as good as they were, you know.
5: Of course you are, Howard. Wouldn't you like some food, lad? You haven't eaten all day, you know.
7: Some food would be good. Yeah,
5: let me me fix you some.
7: Mrs. Gillis, a woman I worked for once said my hands were weak. She did. She soon found out, however.
5: Here now, lad. I have some nice cold roast in the icebox.
7: I taught her a lesson. It'll only take a minute to fix some salad. Were your son's hands strong, Mrs. Gillis?
5: Uh, Not as strong as yours, Howard. I'll set the table right away.
7: Mrs. Gillis, feel my hands again. They're like steel, you know.
5: I finally managed to get some lunch on the table. Howard sat beside me. He didn't say much, and he ate very little... I try to appear casual to engage him in conversation, anything. Do you work often,
7: Howard? Not often.
5: Do you have trouble finding jobs?
7: People are anxious to find help these days. Weren't you?
5: Yes, to find help.
7: Mrs. Gillis, they're looking for me.
5: Who, Howard?
7: Exactly. People I worked for last, I guess.
5: Was that here in this town?
7: No. It was another town. Everyone was looking for me, so I went away. It's horrible to be spied upon, Mrs. Gillis. Do you know what it is to be spied upon? No.
5: No, I don't. Would you
7: like to know? No,
5: I... I wouldn't, Howard. I think
7: I'll spy on you the rest of the day. Then you'll know how it feels.
5: No, no, please, Howard.
7: Whatever it is you want, take it and go away. There's nothing I want, nothing. I I only want to stay here with you. I
5: can't stand it,
7: Howard. I can't.
5: I'm an old woman. Please go away. Leave me alone.
7: I'm not going away, Mrs. Gillis. (laughs) There's still a job to be done. I'll go away after I've done everything that's to be done.
5: Howard, I have some money here in the kitchen cabinet drawer. It's a great deal.
7: I'll give it to you. I don't want your money, Mrs. Gillis.
5: Then go away.
7: That would be foolish. Then you'd tell on me.
5: No, I wouldn't really. Go away and I'll never tell a soul that you've
7: been here. I don't believe you. And I don't trust you. There's only one way of being certain that you won't tell. My heart jumped when
5: I looked out the window. I saw it was the milkman. Tell him to go away. I can't. I've ordered some extra things. Then go into
7: the storeroom until he goes.
5: I can't, Howard. He knows I'm here. He'll expect me to pay him. Promise
7: promised to do as I told you.
5: And he pulled open the cabinet drawer. I saw him take a knife out. Now, will you tell him to go away? Uh, If I tell him to go, he'll think something's wrong. Then you'll get caught for sure.
7: All right, Mrs. Gillis. Take whatever you've ordered, but if you pull any tricks, you'll be sorry.
5: Just a moment.
7: Uh, Good afternoon, Mrs. Gillis.
5: Good afternoon.
6: A lovely day, isn't
5: it? Yes, it is.
6: Mrs. Gillis, I think I have good news for you.
5: You have?
6: Yep. Beginning of the first, the company's taking on some more help. And in the future, your deliveries will be made in the early morning.
5: That's nice.
6: I don't believe you ever did like these late deliveries, did you?
5: I never really minded.
6: <laughs> if all of our customers were like you, Mrs. Gillis, it wouldn't be such a bad world. Here you are. One quart of milk and a pint of half and half. Goodbye, Mrs. Gillis. Uh,
5: the, the extra things. You forgot them. The extra things? Yes, the extra things. Now, don't tell me you, you've forgotten them. The, the eggs and the, the butter.
6: Uh, uh, okay, I'll get them out right of the way.
7: Mrs. Gillis, I'm going to give you one more chance. When he comes back, you're to get rid of him, do you hear? And if you give me away, I'm going to kill you. I'll kill you before he can get inside this house, and I don't care what they do to me. I won't give you away, Howard.
5: I'll only pay him. i have to do
7: that. Remember.
6: Here you are, Mrs. Gillis. Thank you. Anything else?
5: No.
7: That's all.
6: Mrs. Gillis, uh, I was going to say, I'm sorry, uh, I
5: can't stop. I can't talk today. I'm very busy. <laughs>
7: You're very clever, aren't you, Mrs. Gillis? What do you mean? You thought you were going to put something over on me, didn't you? I sent him away, the night. The extra things you ordered. There weren't any.
5: Yes, there were. You saw him. You heard he him. You
7: didn't know what you were talking about.
5: The milkman returned. He stood outside the window. Howard looked at me. I saw his knuckles grow white as he touched the knife. This is your last chance. Get rid of him. I will, Howard. I will. I'm sorry
6: to bother you again, Mrs. Gillis, but you forgot to pay me. Oh. That is, unless you
5: want no, to... No, yes,
6: yes, I'll pay you. Here you are. Uh, sorry I had to bother you, Mrs. Gillis. But you see, this
5: is the day I have to come... Yes, yes, I'm busy. Can't you see that I'm very busy?
7: Tell me when he's gone, Mrs. Gillis. I stood by the window and watched. He got into his truck, and then he drove off. Well, that was your scheme, was it? So you wanted to give me away. He's gone now, Howard. You thought he'd save you, didn't
5: you? No. No, I sent him away like you asked
7: me. Do you know what would have happened to me? Do you? No. They would have taken me away. Oh, Howard. Leave me alone. I'm going to punish you. No,
5: Howard. I've been punished enough. No, you haven't. Yes. He was standing very close now. I knew he still held a knife. Suddenly everything was black. I slipped to the floor. When I came to, I was on the kitchen floor. My head throbbed. And I remembered everything. But where was he? And I heard a sound. A soft swishing sound seemed like hours before I could bring myself to move. Suddenly the hall clock began to strike. Why, it was five o'clock. I'd been unconscious for longer than I'd thought room had already turned dark in the late afternoon light, but I could see him now. He stood in the middle of the room. He was pushing my heavy floor polisher back and forth, back and forth. I tried to close the door quietly, but he looked up. He saw
7: me. What time is it, Mrs. Gillis? About five. Well, I guess I'll call it a day now. I've done a nice job, haven't I? Yes, Howard, very
5: nice
7: I think I'll be going now Doesn't it shine nicely, Mrs. Gillis? Yes, yes it does Is it worth five dollars to you? Yes, Howard I have nice hands, haven't I, Mrs. Gillis?
5: Yes, Howard, you have Here, take the money
7: Thank you, it's a pity they have to be used to polish floors
5: You've done such a good job, Howard I'm going to give you a few extra dollars
7: Thank you You'll be needing me tomorrow, Mrs. Gillis?
5: No, thank you,
7: Howard. The door's locked, Mrs. Gillis. Yes, Howard. Do you have the key? Yes. Yes, I I do. I just remember. I, I just remembered a lot of things. Mrs. Gillis, there's someone at the door. Yes, Howard. Will you open it? Should I? Yes,
5: Howard. You have the key. I have? Is this it, Mrs. Gillis? Yes, Howard. Open the door. Open the door, Howard.
7: Open it. All right, Mrs. Gillis.
6: Mr. Stevens from the phone company. Your phone's been reported out of order.
7: Mrs. Gillis, is your phone out of order?
5: No, no. There must be a mistake. <laughs> That's
6: strange. We've had several reports. Uh, maybe I better run back and check my books. Just, just pl- a moment,
5: Mr. Stevens. Could you do me a favor? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, why, certainly.
5: This boy. Mrs. Gillis. This boy. He's worked here all day. He's done a good job. But I don't think he's well. I'm
7: all right, Mrs. Gillis.
5: But you're tired. Aren't you tired, Hyde? Huh? Doesn't your head ache?
7: Uh, yes.
5: Yes, I, I am tired. And my head does ache. Well, maybe Mr. Stevens will be kind enough to drive you to the car line.
6: Well, I'll be glad to, Mrs. Gillis, but I can't wait long.
5: Right away, and I'll go along, too. I have some marketing to do. And Mr. Stevens, as long as you're here, would you mind checking the phone just to make sure? Why...
7: Well, of course.
5: I'll show you where it is.
7: Can I show him, Mrs. Gillis?
5: No, Howard. You wait here. We'll be right back. I moved quickly toward the den. Mr. Stevens followed me. Once inside, I closed the door behind me. He spotted the torn wires at once. Say, hey, this phone. It's that boy. That man. He's dangerous. Drive us to the police station as fast as you can. Well, I. Before he could reply, opened the den door and went out into an empty room. Say, Howard, he's gone. That sure looks that way. No, no, you've got to find him.
6: But Mrs. Gillis, if you were afraid, you don't understand.
5: Me, he's angry with me. He wants to kill me, and now he's he's hiding here somewhere. When you go, he'll come out and, and kill me. Oh,
6: say that, man. Take it easy. You're getting yourself all worked up.
5: You don't believe me.
6: Well. Look, Mrs. Gillis, maybe i better run down to the corner and phone for No, somebody. no, you
5: can't leave me. I, I'll go with you.
6: Well, sure, if it'll make you feel any better. My car's right outside in the driveway.
5: Yes. Come on. Yes, and they'll call the police. I'll come and get him.
6: Sure, what did he say? <laughs> he looked like a nice
5: enough young fellow, though. Are you sure that he...
7: Were you looking for me, Mrs. Gillis?
5: Why, yes, Howard, I was...
7: Are you ready to go? Yes, I'm ready. I just thought I'd wait in the car.
6: Sure, (laughs) sure. All right, Mrs. Gillis. You get in the back
5: here. Thank you.
7: It's very kind of you to do this for me. I'm very tired. Just relax hard. We'll take care of you.
5: Already, already, Mister Stevens.
7: Mister Stevens, huh? don't you think I have nice hands? Why? I, yes, I, I, I guess so. Yes, the strong hands too. Very strong.
3: Eugene Kelly and Ethel Barrymore, for a splendid performance. Our stars will return in just a moment.
4: Say, uh, Hap, I've got a wonderful New Year's resolution here. Well, don't tell me you're resolved to give up talking, Arnold. Give up talking? Me, Autolite, patter-packed Wilcox? <laughs> uh, will a pistol-packing cowboy give up his gun? Will a power-packed Autolite stay full battery? Give up the ghost when you need it most? Not on your life, by Cornelius. No, sir, Hap. The New Year's resolution I've got is for every car owner who doesn't already have an Autolite Stay-Full battery. And the resolution reads, I have resolved at the earliest opportunity, that is tomorrow morning, to drive down to my nearest Autolite dealer and get a brand new Autolite Stay-Full battery. A battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. For remember, friends, you're right with Autolite. And remember, too, Autolite means batteries. Say full batteries. Autolite means spark plug, Ignition-engineered resistor spark plugs. Autolite means ignition systems. The lifeline of your car.
0: That was To Find Help, an episode of Suspense, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. That was a listener request from Kira, who had written to us and wanted to know what we thought of that. So, uh, what did we think of that? Let's start with Tim.
2: Uh, I thought it's suspense. Of course, it's great quality, great performances, amazing. Uh, Sunday we'll probably talk about an uh, episode of suspense and go, eh, but this is not that day. In particular about this episode, it was so compelling to me to think of it in really modern terms of issues that are very relevant to today that weren't necessarily of the day of people who don't engage in social cues and uh, things like spectrum, autism. And like, Is it difficult to uh, reach out to those people and not be threatened by those people? Uh, I'm getting too far ahead
0: of myself, but I really found it interesting. I think Josh and I both went silent because we were like, wow, that's mm-hmm. really an interesting take on that. We may have looked today at someone like that much different than they would then. Yes, but also balanced with, oh, my goodness gracious, why would you ever bring a stranger into
2: your house like that? And, uh, <laughs>
0: that's where we live now. Like, I won't answer the door. I don't care what you're what you're at. If I don't know you, and, you know, if you're a kid selling band candy, all I do is yell at him through the door and say, those days are gone. You shouldn't be outside going door to door. That's <laughs> Leave dangerous. On the porch and go. <laughs> right. And you're
1: like, I could kill you, child. Go away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> why are you out here? Who let you out here? Uh, And I wrote that down in my notes as the idea of this would never happen anymore where you would hire somebody. But
1: but they address it. And that's what I like uh, with the rumor, Mr. Armstrong, who is not going to go away on his business trip Mm -hmm. until he sees who's coming. Yeah, he's going to check it out. And he immediately dismisses this kid uh, because he's skinny and little and seems harmless. Right. Which then plays into his psychosis is that he was not allowed to fight in the war and the fact that right. people look at him and go, oh, he, de- he isn't very strong, has developed this obsession, which is occasionally the creepiest part of the entire thing when he talks about, my hands are strong. Right. Touch my hands, <laughs> <That's> Mrs. Gillis.
0: <laughs> That's how it ends. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's... Again, extremely well-written, extremely well-performed. Well, first of all, it's Barrymore and Gene Kelly, so we hard yeah. to screw up.
1: They they are really good, and I want to speak to the performance, because Akira, in her email, mentioned that she liked this better than the Frank Sinatra version. Yeah. And I went back and re-listened to the Frank Sinatra version. Which I the, did not. That's the first one I, I had heard. i never heard this Gene Kelly version, and she is absolutely right. I'm not just sucking up to our listeners. The performance uh here is so much better, because for starters— Ethel Barrymore plays Mrs. Gillis with a lot more social concern. I can see why Tim thought of current issues because yeah, totally- she's not merely hysterical. She plays fear. She knows her life is in mm-hmm. danger. Uh, but Agnes Moorhead, as much as I love Agnes Moorhead, slips into sort of sorry, wrong number mode right. and it gets really hysterical and sounds kind of crazy herself. Um, And it's really interesting to have this slight sympathetic Mm -hmm. touch that uh, Barrymore has in this performance. And there's an argument that Sinatra might be a little better in this, in that at the time, you knew Sinatra as a skinny, harmless kid. Right. Uh, Right? And it's hard to think of Gene Kelly as a skinny, harmless kid, right? Um, But I think performance-wise, Kelly has a lot more nuance. To Find Help was one of Sinatra's, like, very early acting roles. And he, it's pretty one note. He plays it sort of like a psychopathic Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. Right. <laughs> he's very polite. He's very civil. And that's part of what's scary about it is is very monotone.
0: Uh, well, you know, I thought Gene Kelly did that too. Like I said, I didn't hear Frank's version, but I thought Gene Kelly was terrifying in his uh, monotoneness mm-hmm. and his uh, really odd behavior and very subtle As I always, you know, when I teach... I teach acting. But when I teach the kids, uh, you know, what's scarier? I'm going to kill you! Or... Right. And what's scarier is, you know, just whispering that in someone's ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember. Somebody pointed out that
2: anything whispered is creepy.
0: <laughs> right. So, and I just thought Gene Kelly uh, oh, he was really good. nailed it. I, I didn't think it was Gene Kelly after five seconds. I went, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. Yeah. You, it just you a, can't this, hear it in his, I don't performance, hear it in his at all. performance, his voice, nothing. But that's what's Great interesting character.
1: about this, too, is it doesn't have the usual suspense twist. Howard is Hitchcock's bomb under the chair. In five minutes, it's very clear he's a psychopath. Mm-hmm. It's not, is he or isn't he? And within, like, five or six minutes into the show, uh, Mrs. Gillis is already like, I'm glad I have a telephone and a dog. You know, she <laughs> knows, too, that there's something's not right. So it's it's not about, oh, is he crazy or isn't he? It becomes instantly about, will Mrs. McGillis survive the next few hours? I
2: understand the uh, idea of him being sort of a little monotonous, but there was a lot of nuance in there in this character that... Depending on tiny little pressures or tiny little influences, you get a wide range of response out of him
1: mm-hmm.
2: of judgmental, feeling judged, lethal,
1: or... Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Sinatra's is sort of a one-note oh, performance, yeah. whereas we get a lot more depth here from Gene
0: Kelly, in my opinion. I, you brought up the idea of her not getting hysterical. I didn't take it as, oh, this poor boy. I took it as a really smart plan. On her part, I know what I'm going to do while well, she's locked in the room with the dead dog. By the way, <laughs> oh. but uh, I think it was okay. Here's how I'm going to get to this guy. I'm going to be calm, and uh, it's, it was more of a plan than feeling bad for him. But so anyway, that's kind of the plot is her figuring how to navigate right, his landscape. Correct. And I thought the performance by yep. Ethel Barrymore was brilliant in that reality of okay, here's you know an older woman who is more experienced, has more knowledge of the world, and okay. I've watched enough murder she wrote. I know what's supposed to happen. (laughs) That kind of thing. So I thought her performance was outstanding. Yeah.
1: And I guess I say uh, sympathy because I feel like that comes out in the very end. And I'm going to contradict what I said. I said there is no twist here. And I think there is a twist ending that... Undermines the usual suspense twist endings. He gives himself up. He doesn't dual really give himself up. He's dual personality, or he forgets. But you think he's going to be this guy who's going to be waiting for Mrs. Gillis and the phone repair guy in the car, ready to like jump out and kill them. And he's just waiting for his ride home, and he's right. forgotten everything. The twist of like they reach the end of the day, and he's like, "Time to go home." I forgot that I killed your dog. And, right. you know, and, and there's a softness to her performance. And part of it is self preservation, like quiet, don't disturb the psycho killer. <laughs> but I, I don't know. And maybe I'm, I, this is all in comparison to the Agnes Moorhead version where she's right. hysterical for a large portion of it. And this is just really nuanced and really nice. Well, it was something I took even early on before it's really antagonistic
2: between the two of them. She can see that he is an outsider that he's yeah,
1: she asks very sympathetically are you ill at one point. So right. that's that's where that comes across. But then I mean, she's going to do whatever to survive, you know, once it she gets locked in a closet with her dead dog. Yes. So she's <laughs> also like you said very practical and and she's trying to get a code through to the milkman.
0: Yeah, uh, all of it. I thought it was not only written well but her choices in conveying that it was a plan yes. that she was orchestrating of okay, here's how we're going to deal with this guy. I think there was a, also a very unintentional moment of writing that, well, maybe it was intentional. But when she tells, I, I think it was the milkman, can you give him a ride to town? And I'm thinking, wait, you're just, <laughs> hey, t- <laughs> take this guy into town. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, clearly either there's some, them off.
1: some riding liberties or else people were much more on the job in this day because like her phone is out of service for a couple hours and the phone guy just shows up <laughs> <laughs> I, I we're on hold for five <laughs> hours if we want any sort of help maintaining anything in our houses
2: i sort of thought of that and this might be my impulse to patch this together of she cues in the the milkman of like help me he goes off and they try to call her and then Oh. It's a result of her trying to get the man's attention.
1: I like that because the milkman and the phone repair guy are in the same
0: union and they're like hanging out together. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a, back then there was a hub of repairmen and they, (laughs) all (laughs) half a block away. In a a barn kind of thing. Yeah, and they're all drinking milk. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to read to you, speaking of the dog, these are my notes as it was happening. No, 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 not the dog. Don't kill the dog. No, 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 damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i hate it when they kill animals and stuff and it is that trope that we've talked about before like dogs
1: and animals can sense ghosts and psychopaths right, right? you know always
0: the dog good foreshadow yeah, at the they beginning hate
1: them. and D- mailman yeah so again it throws right. off the detector
0: <laughs> right <laughs> however sarah is a stupid name for a dog it's just not a dog name that's I mean, a terrible name we for can a dog. agree that that's not a fair criticism of the script though is it? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Two stars. Sarah was a terrible <laughs> name for a dog.
0: <laughs> Would not recommend. So, uh, suspenseful-wise, this is a common trope, the, the idea of home invasion. Being trapped in your own house, this isn't an uncommon idea for a plot, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed, right? Mm-hmm. This yep. This happens a lot. So, the question then becomes, if you're going to do that, does it hold your interest when you've seen it? 80 times. Varying forms, but the idea of home invasion and trapped in your house, right? And I generally thought this captivated me throughout the entire thing. I didn't say at any point, oh, this old thing. <laughs> the guy yeah, It gets was a really house.
2: fresh take on the invader character of he would be dangerous and threatening, which are the same thing. I just said the same thing <laughs> twice. Uh, but then he'd go back to cleaning.
1: Yeah, and I think that was, he was so unpredictable. Was he going to kill you or just really do a great job cleaning your house.
0: (laughs) I love the idea of him cleaning that one spot over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It was a really nice piece of writing to bring a lot of character development to what was happening. And
1: it's that OCD, because right away he he gets given some sort of apron at the beginning and he's like, there are spots on it. Right. (laughs) So right away he's obsessed with that and that follows through the entire thing. And I think that's also what's interesting about it. Even though he killed the dog, and I hate dog killers, uh, by the end when he goes and sits in the car and is waiting to be taken away, he's he's pitiable. And, and you don't suspect that at the end. <sighs> sure. I think you also factor in the war thing. And I think that's something that we need to go backwards in time and think about. Yep. Because uh, the original one was 1945, so it's right at the end of the war. When she keeps saying, you know, you, it's hard to find help, they yep. mean because every able-bodied male... Is gone, or mm-hmm. has been killed, or is maybe not coming back. This idea of the guilt of people felt who couldn't go fight.
0: I think we're led to believe that his psychosis or his problems are directly related to not being able to serve.
1: Yeah, because he says that you know, when, uh, in relation to the dog, he's like, oh, you know, I'm not a coward. A coward would be afraid to kill. You know, he's right. proving it. So he picks on a dog. But they also
2: established the reason he wasn't allowed to serve was because of his mental faculties.
1: Yeah, but, and it's oh, sort of the, you're right, it's this loop yeah. though, right? And that just feeds it, and that's his new psychosis. Right.
0: I'm going to pose this question and not give you my opinion, because sometimes when I have opinions like this, you guys will go, what? No, you're <laughs> dead wrong. That's really a great way to do that, or writing, or whatever. So I'm really curious to see what you guys think of that ending. I thought it was maybe a little more ambiguous than we're letting it
2: be. At the very end, I thought, is he just going to strangle the driver and be on his way? Or is Mm -hmm. he just going to go peacefully? Which it seemed momentum wise be heading towards, we're going to drive you to the police now and that's going to be the end and resolution that's calm. But he also was perfectly capable of killing his way
0: out of that car. And it seemed like,
1: was he? He only killed what I assume was a. Fairly small dog, based on the description, because she's in a closet. I'm not it wasn't sure, a big dog, but I had the impression he had strong hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a subtle. A, I didn't subtle really thing. feel them
0: myself, but <laughs> isn't it the idea that he has forgotten he's done that, the 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 split personality thing or whatever it is, and now he's like, "What? No, I'm that. I'm a normal uh, guy. Where are we going? Let's go for a ride." The idea then, when he says, "I have strong hands," isn't that? Aren't we led to believe at that point? Oh, he's going back again. Like he's becoming, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, the switch has been flipped again. He's talking about his hands. I read it as pitiable, which is what I
1: said, where like suddenly you see him in. he's repeating the same thing, but in this terribly sad, unthreatening way. He sounds childlike to me. It sounds like the yeah. bragging of a child, like, like when a five-year-old goes, I'm really strong. And suddenly, when he's no longer trapped in a house with a little old lady and a little dog, suddenly he's sitting in a car. The phone repairman's there, too, to help Mrs. McGillis. And suddenly he's just sitting in the back car waiting for his ride. And he seems so innocent. And that right. I feel like it's unambivalent. I feel like they, that's the twist. Is this guy we were scared of suddenly is no longer dangerous. He's just reverted to this sort of childlike state so. waiting for a ride home. Hopefully, our complete opposite takes
2: on that have cleared that up for you.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> well, I got the idea. I got the idea that we get introduced to what you were saying like, oh, what happened? I'm no, I'm a nice guy. Then he gets in the car, that there's a switch that flips in his head. And the key to knowing when that switch is being flipped is him talking about his strong hands. So I was led to believe that it ends there with the idea oh, here comes Killer. Yeah, not, but I, You didn't get that? I don't believe his but hands are in,
1: superhuman strong. He's got <laughs> Mrs. McGillis there who seems somewhat able to take care of herself and another guy. Right, so you, and that the, even if he is like, I'm going to strangle you, they just like slap him in the face.
0: It feels like a, one of them after school specials where we're supposed to discuss what would you do and they don't give you the ending? Like, why is there no ending to this? I why? love it. I knew ending. you are uh, wrong, Eric. I also want to know what's in the briefcase <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> like, you don't, you, I don't like not being told. It's
1: Gene but, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he pops out and is like, I have strong hands. It's, but I,
2: I think that
0: it's Why like, not end it? I'm on the. It end is an ending. Because
2: a character like he, like him, oh, my grammar. Uh, a character like Gene Kelly's is challenging, it's difficult. Uh, this is not just a villain that uh-huh. needs to be punished, it's not just a sick person who's never done anything wrong. It's a complicated character, and it's hard to know what's something to do with them because it's hard to know what they're gonna do.
1: That's what I meant when I said it subverts suspense endings. The twist is this is sort of naturalistic and like real life. It's gray. Yep. It was, I think, intentionally
0: anticlimactic. Right. And you know me. I want beginnings, middles, and ends, and I want you up want in a bow Gene and- Kelly strangling an old lady in a car. <laughs> yes, but that's for different reasons. Okay. Fair enough. No, yeah, but you know what I'm getting at, right? I mean, you could, as much as you don't mind that ending, what I want from I you, I like it. I more than don't mind. Don't mischaracterize. Okay. But you understand my, my frustration with, like, I do. And it, it seemed to me like, hey, we're at 30 minutes. <laughs> See, I
1: don't think it's so- Dick Wolf. <laughs> I think it. I think it moves in that direction slowly right. but surely. Very intentional, like we think the story's going to go one way, and it goes a completely yeah. other. She thought for sure she was going to die, and suddenly he's like, "Oh wait, it's five o'clock i 'm not a killer anymore. Time to go home, and I think that's the shock to me
0: all right I mean, wow, cool right. I'm with you on that all
1: right, I think that's time for final right. verdicts. I anyways. do
0: too. I have very strong hands
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do you can't him. see this Thanks.
0: listeners, but he just strangled a dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'll vote first I think it was fantastic Um, it was suspenseful and fun and intriguing and had me on the edge of my seat and I think it stands not only the test of time definitely would rank as a classic as far as I'm concerned Uh, despite my uh, hating of the ending I like the discussion it brought up but it doesn't bother me enough to not say all those wonderful things Uh, yes I agree it's suspense of course it's
2: excellent right? Uh, even among suspense episodes I think this one's a classic And not just that it's classic of its time, I think it's really interesting to think about and listen to in the context of modern life in in a way that is different than it was when it was originally presented, which is great. Uh, So, yes, I like it. Thank you, Kira.
1: Stands the test of time. Classic. Done. Boom.
0: Boom. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about us, uh, you can go to... GhoulishDelights.com.
2: It's a website, uh, and you can listen to other episodes of this podcast there, as well as learn about live productions we do. We go out in the world and perform live versions of old radio scripts, and it's awesome.
1: You can also go into iTunes and write a review. I mean, it's great when you rate the show because you can do that. Just post a rating, but it would be extra awesome if you actually wrote some words about what you thought of the show—good, bad, otherwise. Uh, we love the feedback, and uh, yeah, random let words. us know. Yeah, random words. Just <laughs> let your cat sit on the keyboard—that's fine too. <laughs> All right,
2: who's got the next one? Is it me? It's you. All right, uh, up next, then we have uh, from the series "Murder by Experts." Uh, a show called Return Trip. Until then.
4: Look out!